Hi everybody, my name is Zan and thank you for joining us today. We're going to have a quick chat with some of my colleagues and a guest. So we've got Ben, Siraj and Shahina from Class Group. Um, and today we're going to be talking about how businesses have been hit by COVID. So we're going to look at some of the winners, some of those who have struggled and for any other businesses out there who are looking to kind of get through this pandemic, we're going to try and share some tips on how you can turn around your business. So pretty much every business around the world has been affected by COVID in some way. Um, many have even been forced to close, uh, whilst others have actually had a flood of new customers um, where people may not even have heard of that company before. So let's get started. So does anyone have any thoughts? Who do you think has done really well out of this? Yeah, well, I, I was just saying uh, the other day, I, I originally heard that sort of Hermes was having a little bit of issue, but then looking a little further into it, they've just invested about 30 million in expanding their operations due to sort of the home shopping um, that everyone's clearly doing. So they're, they're creating about sort of 10,000 new jobs. So I guess anybody in that sort of space is, is seeing quite the benefit from everybody being at home, really. Um, and Beyond that, I, I was uh, one of the impacts I guess everyone's having is there's a lot more expectations that as companies are going to continue to let people work from home, as well as home shopping, people will probably be spending a lot more on their homes, getting a nicer computer set up, a better internet set up, um, some better furniture and home improvements, I think will be a big sort of area. But yeah, just I think the delivery sector's definitely obviously seen a, seen a surge. Yeah, I actually have seen I read an article uh, that the five industries that are really thriving through this time is um, gifts and occasions, online gifting. So you kind of use you you can't really go out to dinner anyway these days. You can rather do something at home. Home and gardening, health and fitness, food and drink, all kind of buying for in-house and beauty products were five industries that were still kind of thriving. Plus, to to go back to your point, Ben, um, I also saw Best Buy. Um, they, they kind of put a lot of their staff, thousands of their staff in the U.S. on short time or um, they, they, they didn't uh, furlough them completely, um, but they've now actually hired them all back and they're actually thriving again based on online shopping. They've just changed their, their focus. A lot, of, a lot of positions and what they were doing has shifted to, to kind of go with the, the, the online shopping kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say logistics is most probably has been the biggest winner um, because it's not only sort of the um, consumers buying online because even someone like myself who wouldn't normally buy a lot of stuff online, I've also now switched, especially things like Amazon. Um, so logistics has definitely been the biggest winner for the consumers, but also then for um, some of the programs I've been watching in regards to the supermarket um, and getting that produce sort of they've had to I mean, I think it's kind of come gone down to a bit of normality now, but initially um, logistics like the trucks, et cetera, deliveries would have to run more than normal. Um, there's like, I think, three three times a week when they were delivering instead of once or twice with fruit and veg. So it's actually across the board, I think, logistics. And then I think the other, I think, Siraj, the thing about the health and fitness, that's most probably been another big winner. Um, I know even though there's a lot of free workouts available i think the equipment that comes with it people have invested in that and then you've got the people who are massive gym goers and they've gone and made their own little gyms at home and stuff uh, and then i would say the on-demand delivery food delivery uber eats and deliveroo um they've definitely sort of i would think done very well out of this whether that's a sustained growth or not it'd be it's way 
wait and see kind of thing once restaurants etc open uh, but i in looking around those would also be the biggest winners yeah i think that makes sense i mean obviously the tech industry as well so if you look at remote working remote education every business school has had to adapt as well um so i think I think Zoom was obviously a big, big winner. So I remember reading a statistic, they only had 10 million users at the kind of beginning of the year. And then by April, they had 300 million uh, users. Yeah. So that's massive, massive growth. Just on, on that, then their, their share price, 23rd of January was $74. 10th of July, $275. Wow. So um, I, I think that's, that says quite a bit um, on how what's happening with them. And then another one, just to go with that, Canva, the online kind of, um, they, they, in October 2019, valuated at 3.2 billion, 22nd of June, 6 billion. So it's kind of the, the jumps in these kind of real value that's being created, or, or it, let's not get into the whole thing of what's real value and what's um, when it comes to evaluation. But from a value perspective, those are two examples of real booming, booming share prices and valuations. Canver is uh, run and owned by a 30-year-old Australian uh, lady. Um, yes, so, I thought you might say yeah, something my, like my, that. My, count, my counterpart <laughs> in, in age and nationality at uh, six billion in worth. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, great to know. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I guess uh, just out of interest, uh, actually, I saw today um, on the on the tech front, uh, Slack is actually filing a lawsuit against Microsoft because they bundle Teams in. Um, so Slack has actually had in the tech space. I imagine should have you assume shot up, and I think they did have some, but probably not as much as would have been expected. Everyone starts working at home. You would have assumed everyone needs to, to chat online, but they haven't had as much, and now they're actually filing an, a sort of uh, anti-competition uh, lawsuit in the EU against Microsoft because they're bundling Teams, um, which we're coincidentally using, um, in into their package. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how they sort of go about trying to, to break that up um, moving forward. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think the key is adapting. Um, so Microsoft have obviously benefited through Teams. Um, and by giving it away for free as part of the office package, you know, that's their way of saying, you know, we want to get these users on board. And as you mentioned before with Hermes, they've kind of gone into a new space, with, or I don't know if it's a new space, but they've put more money into the kind of home thing. So any companies that are struggling, I mean, one of the key is to be able to adapt. So, I mean, on that note, who, oh, there's a lot of obvious ones that have struggled, hospitality, retail, travel. Um, but kind of who would you guys say are the main kind of losers in this and for what sort of reasons? Yeah, so so from, from from my from my side, what I've seen very very evident is, like you said, the travel, but also eventing, um, conferences and eventing, and then all the 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 support functions of those. So that that kind of spin off that has really taken a big hit because there it it literally dried up completely. Everyone else is trying to do something, but eventing the guys who built the the, the event stands, promotional kind of uh, products, completely ground ground to a halt there so that that's another that's another badly hit industry yeah. do, you, do you think there's any way they could have pivoted or, or tried to adapt so i know a lot of uh, attending a couple of online sort of conferences and so forth but obviously that's going to be a lot more difficult to make the same sort of revenue and and so forth and like you said you're not going to run out of those logistics but i 
do you think that's the kind of space where there could have been an opportunity to pivot? I imagine there's some some niche examples of people benefiting, but I wonder if that's an area where there was an option to try and adapt or if it was just a case of your industry is purely based on face to face. There's not much. I, th I think they, I think it would have been very difficult because um, I've got one of my own sort of contacts or a couple of contacts who do wedding planning and they do all the wedding decorations. And there's just, I mean, in that kind of space, because it is such a physical thing, um, there's just no way they could have adapted. There was nothing different they could do. They've, they've lost the whole year's work. I mean, one of them's actually done really well. She's now, what she's doing is offering small marquee setups and deco setups in gardens. Um, so once you can start having small gatherings, she's she's sort of adapted from you know large weddings to offering that. So there was that. But I think when sort of in the events in the sense of conference, conference and things like that, the people who are in the audiovisual space, they they've got the opportunities because they could actually then help set it up and run these virtual sessions. I think anybody who's working with the physical infrastructure of setting up these conferences, I think they would have struggled to adapt. Yeah, and I think there's an element of kind of user behavior catching up as well. So even people who can adapt, maybe for the first couple of months, you know, people will be reticent about kind of adopting these new new ways of doing things or, you know, even with online conferencing or video calls, even though everyone's doing it and everyone did it from the beginning, I think a lot of people probably took a bit of time to adapt to it. So the longer this goes on and the more we have to do these things, then I think people who kind of laid the foundations early on to adapt will probably thrive as this continues um, because people get more used to it. So, you know, socializing through your camera. I mean, at the beginning, it was just really weird. You've got webinar or whatever you want to call it with 10 of your mates and you're trying to do things, talk over each other. But maybe people can do live performances online. Maybe you can sell tickets to that down the line. But then, like Shahina said, that doesn't help the people who are sort of working on the on the staging or, or you know, on the on the other kind of areas that puts together an event, as Sarah mentioned as well. So it's interesting in that, you know, I've, I've been using a I, I, I lecture at a business school and entrepreneurship. And when I'm when I'm talking about kind of looking for new markets and new product services, we do an exercise that has kind of come out of a book called The Innovators Method, where for the last four years that I've been doing it, I kind of ask the students to imagine, and it comes out of the book, what would you do if you couldn't sell your current product to your current client? Now, that it, until COVID, that was always a theoretical kind of exercise to try and be creative to think of and maybe you come up with a new product line or a new service. But that's exactly what people have had to do now. And so one of the examples that I've seen within the eventing industry is the, the, a company that had a big factory and it had a lot of staff that create a shell, the, the shell system for, um, for eventing. They came back and they started creating hand sanitizer dispensers um, because they had all the knowledge, they had the branding, they had the equipment, and they had the factory to do it, and they literally pivoted, and they, their business is is thriving. So th they've kind of took, what are the skills, what are the resources, what do I have? I can't sell what I normally sell. What do I now do? And they, and they pivoted like that. And I think, you know, as we go into the rest of the chat, that's the kind of thinking that we need to be looking at. Yeah. I... Uh, I... I saw just just recently, actually, so Airbnb's uh, taken a hit. I think the, the founder was quoted as saying, you know, 12 years worth of 
building a company was all undone in in six weeks and 80 percent of their bookings obviously disappeared um and i've had some friends who have used it as a as a slight way to get out and and, and stay um quarantined and i've heard of people who were at an airbnb when it all locked down and they just stayed there for a few months because they're out in the country and, and have been enjoying it but i also saw just interestingly there's a there's a pub in ireland and the whole pub is up on airbnb just rent the whole pub out uh with you and a few of your mates so that might be the, the way forward is uh private events you can't if you don't want to uh, run the door and control who's coming in and out just rent the whole place out <laughs> yeah that's a good point yeah. um i think with travel as well i mean so many people have been hit badly and at that kind of point cash does kind of become king so if you look at some airlines some of them have already gone bust i can't really think of any names off my head but um a lot of them are definitely struggling whereas as you've mentioned airbnb all that 12 years of work undone in six weeks but if you look at booking.com i read somewhere that some experts have said for them they've got enough cash to keep them going for three years without any revenue so they're going to be able to weather this storm irrespective of revenue just because of our cash reserves i think that's another important element i think that i think this situation actually brought that to light as well so when we had the financial crash crash you know a number of years ago it really did affect the banks um and it came to light that how how many risks they were taking on how much liability they were taking but one of the things that really struck me was very early on in this situation you you were hearing shops and sort of stores and things closing and you know a lot of those businesses high street names going bust and it just i think it brought to light that actually they've taken on a lot more than they could actually afford to do um and it's not so much that covid has created caused them to go bust but i think it's caused it's created that that chance for those problems those underlying issues that they had to come actually to the surface so it's um and the fact that booking.com can come out and say that that's really very strong and I think that for me personally when especially initially when a lot of those places were going bust it just sort of highlighted to me that they've taken on too much liability um, and they've not really thought so much about that cash flow and it, it really that's what's caused the issue I think people are trying to find a lot of different reasons um, but fundamentally I think businesses need to consider that Given guys, given that everything's coming back to a slightly starting to open up and so forth, uh, at least here in the UK, do, do you think that uh, obviously that's going to have to be something people consider as they start coming back out of business? What do you think is the best way to, is it to build up that cash flow for a couple of years for businesses to start thinking, what if there's another outbreak? What if like I need to start trying to reserve this cash or do they, will they have to get to a point where they almost need to, you know, grow as quickly as possible. And sometimes that is putting most of your cash flow into risk and scaling quickly kind of thing. Do you think people are going to have to be a lot more conservative now? Uh, yes, I, I think the, 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 the fundamentals of business where I hold a certain amount of cash flow for a certain period based on planning, that that is just going to have to increase. Because I think we this there's so many companies, big and small, that's taken such a, a huge hit that we and, and nobody saw it coming. We I, I think, and if we don't learn from it, quite frankly, I think we 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 silly because I think we almost have to kind of just I, I extend that 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 runway um, that we have. I mean, right at the beginning of COVID, uh, we saw the stat. Um, Zan, you were you kind of shared it with a small business association in London that said most on average, small businesses have 27 days of cash flow 
on hand. That's what they have to survive. You know, lockdown in South Africa has been 118 days. Um, that, that, that's why there's so many companies that are kind of battling. And, and I think that, that, that runway is going to have to be extended as a, as a best practice um, that we do across the board. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of instinct is going to be to try growing and sort of bring in that custom, thinking growth is going to bring in that custom. But I would actually say at this moment in time, especially for at least the next six to 12 months, um, it would be about keeping it lean because this thing is not over yet. Um, and we just don't know how long it's going to take and we don't know what's going to come up, if there is going to be another sort of you know, significant lockdown and shutdown of everything and how long that's going to stay. So as much as I think initial instinct for a lot of people or a lot of business owners is going to be that, okay, we've got to grow, we've got to start spending money to get people coming in. Um, I think it's still too early. I would say it's still another six to 12 months before you can really think about where you're going or how you're going to grow. Um, and even that, it wouldn't be immediately. I think it's still a number of years. Yeah, it's a fine balance. So I think you've got to you've got to be careful. You've got to, as Shahina said, get as lean as you can. So I mean, for a lot of businesses that can work remotely, you know, an easy fix would be to kind of get rid of your office space or reduce your office space. I mean, that will obviously hit that industry, um, which is another side effect, unfortunate one. But then if that's going to help you keep more, you know, cash flow in your business, which you should hold rather than spend. Um, that's going to help. But then at the same time, if you can see opportunities and you can see gaps because you are pivoting your business, then you should try and put money towards that to take advantage. Whereas I think it's just a case of being careful, being strategic and picking wisely. And as Sarah said, have more of that runway. So don't put everything, even like with your personal stuff, you should always have a set amount of savings for a rainy day. Well, a rainy day has come along now with pandemic, rainy months. <laughs> um, yeah. So. yeah. I, I wonder if, um, if you think there's going to be, I, I guess, so if, if you are still scaling up or, or maybe you would plan for it and, and set the money aside, you, you've just got investment or something and maybe you sort of paused while COVID gone on and you're starting to feel it's opening back up or even if you wait another six months, um, as sort of mentioned, do you think it's going to be a different way of scaling now? Do you think it's going to be slower or do you think uh, it's going to be more, more sort of partner based because obviously the world's becoming a lot smaller now that it's a lot more common to be online to be speaking like this do you think there's going to be a new way of growing business as we come out of this or should people look at it differently is it more partner and collaborative or oh i'll i'll jump in there i, I yeah. think um i think de definitely i think what 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 it has shown is a how small the globe is both from a technology point of view that we can all be sitting in different parts of the world and talking like we are, but B, how small the world is from how quickly a virus can spread around it, you know? So, so therefore there's both a physical kind of manifestation of this, this, this global village, but also I, both, both the, both the opportunities and the threats are not my neighbors. The opportunities and the threats are global. And I think, I think with that, it, it it then again goes to your own personality, your own viewpoint of whether I focus on the threat or whether I focus on the opportunity. And I think to grow a business, the opportunity does lie globally, not necessarily just in your neighborhood. You know. I would think, 
I, I think it will definitely change. I think every element of doing business and growing a business is going to change. Um, but I would think depending on what your product is, depending on what your service offering is, um, that will vary how much it changes as well. I think there's some elements which potentially will stay the same. Um, like one of, alongside the consultancy, I have food business, um, which is an online based business, but also I mean, at the moment, it's sort of an, it, within the food, sort of this food startup space as well. We're all kind of saying, well, how do we get people to taste our food? You know, a big part of what we would do in order to grow our business is to be out there and getting people to taste our food. Um, and that's where I don't see, I mean, obviously that's all on hold at the moment, but there's, I don't see how that can change as well, like how we could do that differently. Um, so there's still that, there's some industries or some businesses where elements will still stay the same as they are. Um, but yeah, across the board, there'll be elements that change for everyone. Um, some industries are actually, you know, they'll they'll thrive off the, off the back of this and off the changes that are being made. Um, especially, I think, anything to do with tech or services um, where they, now that everyone has wor worked remotely, especially when it comes to service, I think, they'll be able to now demonstrate very comfortably and very confidently that it doesn't matter where the team's sitting, we can get the work done. Um, so this is going to have really boosted that um, and they'll be able to, you know, sort of build up their business off the back of this now, because there was very much, I think there was a lot of reluctance, um, surprisingly still a lot of reluctance about having people working remotely. Um, so, you know, this, this has shown that and I think it's it's a common conversation where people are like, well, we're not going to go back to the offices, offices are going to close down and stuff, um, which I think is a, a whole discussion on its own. Um, but uh, it's definitely proved that it can happen. You can work remotely. Yeah, sure. And I think that goes to your point, Ben, of for those particular kind of service industries or tech industries, you know, you don't necessarily have to set up an office now in another country if you want to do business in that country. You don't have to physically go there you can now rely on a team in another country you can you'll, you'll probably need to rely more on partners collaboration and you can literally have that global spread because just like Sarah just said it turns out the globe is actually very small and things can move around very quickly um, so I think that will kind of accelerate more and people will be able to do more global business in a straightforward way in particular industries others may not be so easy yeah, I think we're difficult. I know, I know. I maybe slightly even took us off track. I know we were hope, sort of looking to talk about companies. So I'll try and try and cycle it back. Someone who hasn't seemingly pivoted, and and just in case I've, I've missed anything, I don't think they have. But say Primark, for example, don't sell online. Have only closed down. And interestingly, they've also came out and said we're not putting any discounts on anything because um, everyone assumed that oh there'll be big discounts. They've got a lot of a lot of stock but they've just come out and said we've, we've got stock but we're not putting discounts on it and i haven't been to one yet but i've heard there's sort of quite massive queues for them and so forth and they've gone to, you would assume that a company like that might immediately try to pivot online especially with all your asos's and your boohoo's who are giant companies selling fast fashion online do you think that decision was maybe a good one and there might be something in that resilience and like people might flock back to to a bit of normality because almost on your point of you know do you need to go back to an office I think you're right that's the whole discussion on some level I want to be able to go out of my house and work in a desk and feel that feel that disconnect from my 
house where I, you know, have fun and and rest and so forth. I kind of want to go sit in an office and just go, all right, this is my workspace for the day. So at some level I can work from home, but I want some level of office and the option even to have both. Um, Do you think people will still flock to stores looking for that almost normality? It seems to be happening with Primark opening, but they also restricted their access by not going online. Primark's an interesting one because I think um, their product, all of their goods are so cheap anyway because they've got fine margins. So for them, if they went online, then you've got to add in the delivery costs and the price of the goods have to go up, otherwise they're not going to be making any profit. So for them, it was probably a strategic decision where our USP is our cheapness. Um, So they can't really offer further discounts and they didn't really want to pivot the model to affect those margins. Um, And then maybe maybe they just didn't think it would last this long, but even if they did, now that shops have opened up, at least in the UK and in a lot of other countries, um, people are flooding for that experience. I mean, I know a lot of people who claim they've been missing shopping. I mean, for me, I've not missed it at all. But um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like enjoy that experience. It's not even necessarily about buying the products because you know online shopping was booming, but it's about going into a store, physically seeing, feeling things, and thinking, "Yeah, I want that. Or I don't want it. Just the experience." I'm, I'm that person. <laughs> I, I'm not an online shopper. I'm very much an in-person going to the shops. And it's because it's uh, it becomes that, like you said, it is that experience. Um, and I'm also the kind of person who likes to be able to go in. Because the thing about going into a shop, you get to see all the products laid out. But being online, you've got to have a lot of time to go through and browse through everything. Um, so you either go online to look for things in particular, or then you have a lot of time that you're browsing through. Um, so yeah now the interesting I mean Primark's obviously doing something well because they've also come out and said that they're not going to be taking the um, furlough bonus so the government are offering the thousand pounds per employee coming back in January I think or Feb and they've actually announced that they're not even going to be taking that bonus Um, so I think from a business management point of view they must be doing something really well because if they can afford to stay shut for three four months um, and on top of that you know, not take that sort of sort of say, OK, we don't even want this bonus that you're offering effectively free money for them. Um, but I think like Zane said as well, the moment they opened, they did have queues, um, you know, and whether that is that experience or whether it's the fact that actually they're cheap clothes and people are just like, we need to go and spend money and we want to be doing it in person or just generally people like Primark, so then they, they want to get back and buy those clothes. It's I think a mix of items. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the the brand well, but from what you guys are saying, there's also the the, the factor that um, if they've got a particular target audience, there are more people that are going to shop down due to lack of income. So their their target audience almost has grown in the lockdown. So you're kind of going. So that's one factor. But uh, the other points that I wanted to make just on this because it's interesting is that. Pre, pre-lockdown or pre-COVID, everyone kind of said, we need a digital strategy. We need a digital strategy. Some people kick the can down the road um, and they say, we'll get to it like Primark is doing. But what, what COVID did is kind of bring it whoop, right to you and it's kind of, we need it now. And so, so that's, again, one of those areas that really boomed is kind of the, the, dev, the dev kind of thing is getting people online and digital was, is really, that, that's kind of boomed. And, and I think even without COVID, 
we would, if we looked at Primark, we'd be saying, I think you're going to need a digital a kind of play sometime in the future. If they can ride this wave, good for them. I still think they're going to need a digital play sometime in the future. And then, and then last thing on this, uh, again, I read something quite interesting when it says we, we often think of an online retail experience as an, as an or, not an and, right? So you kind of either go into the shop or I shop online. And I think the new way of, that we should be looking at things is the and, not the or, is how do I, what can digital do to enhance my in-store experience? And if we can do, if we can get that going, I think there's a, there's something, there's a sweet spot right there, is how do I, how do I use all the things that digital can do to enhance my in-store experience? I, I, I just think there's some, I don't have the exact answer, but I love the way the thinking around that is, is that if I'm in, in store, have I pre-looked at stuff? Have I pre-set out clothing for me to just get there and try on? Is there, is there some way that, that digital can impact my, my in-store experience? Yeah, that, that'd be interesting from a, like a trying on sort of point of view. If you could find the things you like online and go, all right, I want to try these three things on. And as soon as you arrive in the store, there's a booth set out for you. Your three things are hanging up there and you get to go in and try them on. I think experience is what's going to potentially change because obviously a lot of high street stores were shutting down even before COVID, just people weren't shopping in stores. But I think like Nike, for example, on, on Oxford Street, they feel a bit more experiential because you'd go in there, there'd be a live DJ, they're controlling the, the sound in the store and so forth. And I think if you start turning it into that, even if people go into a store for an experience, whether or not they have fashion shows and different reasons to make you come in, and then you shop online, see what you like, and then you just buy it when you get home. Like you may not have to even buy it there, Maybe the online, maybe the physical store is where you go to experience the clothes and then you grab them on your way out electronically or something like that. It could be a lot of stuff like that, but I think it'll be interesting. Um, I guess we, we've spoken for a good little bit of time now. could probably keep going. Did anybody have any other sort of topics or, or people that are interested in, in discussing before we wrap up? Just on, on your thing, uh, and, and it's again, yesterday, um, Nike um, reshuffled the entire executive board to make it more digital friendly. So they, they, they're absolutely investing in, in digital, and they've shaken up the entire executive team. And, and I, I know I, I'm just, while I'm doing it, looking at where I read it on CNBC, um, that they've totally shifted everything up to, to match this whole digital new wave again yeah that's my final point nice i did i did yeah. like sarah's point about the and actually um about being digital and in person because also more physical shops that shut down it's actually going to start affecting also the other services around there so you know your the places where you stop off and have lunch or your little news agents and things like that so there's also that impact that needs to be considered and i think that's not an obvious impact that people think of as well it's always, always immediately about the job losses um so the idea of doing the and actually is um something that really should be worked on and that's where companies should be thinking and not purely just digital um yeah, i think it's going to be interesting yeah sorry go <laughs> no. yeah i was just gonna say it's gonna be interesting because i think pretty much every everyone and everything can change in some way i mean some things won't change in general but every business will have elements of things that 
have to adapt and move forward. And I think um, this has just been one of those moments in history. There's always a period where something causes an acceleration of change, a new way of doing things, a new way of living. And I think this is that moment. So it'll be pretty interesting to see over the next five years even, you know, how quickly things do change and what the world will look like in 2025 compared to the 2010s. Yeah, cool. Well, guys, I think that sort of sums up our, our time nicely. Um, this is our sort of, I guess, first go at it, so I think it's gone quite well. Um, should we give a little shout out to where where people can find us or, or follow us if we want to do a little bit more? Shahina, do you want to uh, tell people how to, how to find you or contact you if there's interest? Yeah, sure. Uh, so um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Shahina Rasul. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it's from I'm from O-Class Group. So we're on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. Um, so yeah, there you'd, that's the best place to get hold of me anyway, LinkedIn. Fantastic. And I guess the, the three of us are all very similarly on LinkedIn or, or follow us on centuraglobal.com. Um, and yeah, we'll hope to uh, see everybody next time, I guess. Cool. Thanks, Thanks so much, Shahina. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.